the bird meditation in Tibetan in the Tibetan language means not to focus it's not concentration or focus or samadhi or tranquility or peace or bliss none of these the word in Tibetan means to familiarize yourself and that's really what meditation is it is to become familiar with who you are so you come off the conditioning that's done by the society by religion by peers by friends by parents and so on and so forth so you go past the labels that I'm a man I'm a woman I am a Hindu I'm a Sikh I'm a Muslim or I'm a Christian and so on and so forth that you're not just an Indian or an American or a British or, or somebody beyond all these labels who you are really and that is what meditation is about in essence when you do meditation there are some things called hurdles which we talked about yesterday and we'll go in a bit more detail now and then there are these things called afflictions afflictions are basically what stop you from progressing in life and yogic scriptures very intelligently categorize them into three types intellectual emotional and instinctive actually this is my categorization I'll tell you what they categorize they list five types of afflictions I don't have to say the Sanskrit but very briefly avidya asmita rag dvesh abhinivesha kalesha this is the third aphorism in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra in the second canto ignorance or lack of wisdom it's the first affliction in the intellectual category there are two in intellectual afflictions first is lack of wisdom or ignorance ignorance has been put at the roots of all suffering basically all suffering that we experience in life arises from ignorance if I'm ignorant about who I am then chances are I will cling to somebody thinking this person is mine or that person is mine or somehow this person is supposed to make me happy that person is supposed to make me happy this is ignorance nobody is supposed to make you happy and nobody can actually make you happy you alone can make yourself happy and the more you become familiar with yourself the happier you become simple as that the second intellectual affliction it's called ego a sense of I-ness that it should happen because I think so because I am saying so but that I is temporary it is just another sign of ignorance because if I ask you who you are then what would you say what label would you give yourself there are many roles you play 
many roles we have to do in our lives. Sometimes you're a mother, sometimes you're a father, sometimes you're a brother, sometimes you are a sister, sometimes you are a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law, sometimes you're a teacher, other times you're a student. There are all these roles you play, but these roles don't define who you are really. Because we all sleep the same way. There is no king or a pauper when you're sleeping, it's all the same. So beyond these labels is the sense of I-ness, that I exist. And if you ask yourself, what is I? You won't really get any sensible answer. When somebody gives you grief and you feel pain, you feel hurt, at that time, just take a step back if you can and ask yourself, who in me is actually feeling the pain? Is it the person I know by my name? Let's say your name is uh, John. Is John feeling the pain? Or is, is a husband or wife feeling the pain? Who's feeling this pain that I think I don't deserve in my life? There is some grief you can get over in life. But there is some you can't. At that time you have to A, be aware that, look, I'm going through this emotion and it's not in my hands right now to get over this. That awareness will mellow it down, will dilute it right then. And B, I don't have to fight with it. I'm a human being. I'm entitled to go through the whole spectrum of emotions. And then you calm down on your own because the goal is to calm down, you see. The goal is to feel the peace that's inside you. You can only do that if you're familiar with yourself. When you are in a group of people who you really know, you're so free. You can be yourself. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act a certain way. There is no burden because you're familiar with them. Similarly, when you're familiar with yourself, there is no burden of your own existence. You see, each one of us has, is carrying basically this burden of existence. And somehow, we want somebody else to take that burden off us. And anybody you approach is carrying a bigger load to hand over to you. Because they're also going for the same thing. Everybody is thirsty and everybody wants to quench their thirst. And they come to you with the same desire, same expectation as you go to them with. If you want somebody to love you, they also want to be loved. Although chances are they don't want to be loved by you, they want to be loved by somebody else and that's where the problem comes. But that's the way life goes. If you have to hold on to somebody, then you cannot have that person for life. When you have to cling to somebody, when you have to convince somebody why that person should be with you, Sooner or later, they will leave you. It's simple as that. So true love is a sense of great familiarity. That look, I know you, I know myself, you know me. And there are some secrets, but overall there are no secrets, right? So let's just uh, get on with it. I'll give you your personal space and you give me my personal space. 
Any relationship that compromises a sense of freedom will eventually destroy itself, guaranteed. Two people may still be together, but it won't be any more than two inmates in a prison. They are together, not by choice. They are together because they are forced to be together because of their kids or because of financial reasons or because of social reasons or whatever. And it can be fixed. That's the most beautiful thing. But both of them should be willing to work on it. And if one of them is not willing to work on it, that's when you come to meditation retreat to, <laughs> to figure out how to fix it on your own so that at least you are not affected. <coughs> because the other person, take it as a given, is not going to change. So that sense of pride that I am this, I am a CEO, I am a director, I am an MBA or I am a rich man, I am a millionaire or anything. That is an emotional affliction. Because you only feel who you are when you are emotional about it. If you are not emotionally attached to your label, you couldn't care less. You could just drop it like that at the snap of a finger. But when you are emotionally attached, that's when you want to hold on. Anything or anybody or any label, that's beside the point. The uh, fourth is also an emotional affliction. Attachment to pleasure or aversion towards pain. This is what we are basically at the core of it. The whole life struggle of most people is to have more pleasure and avoid all pain. We go to great lengths to avoid pain. And we constantly want pleasure in a life. But even neurologically speaking, pleasure is a burst, a spurt. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. It's never a constant thing. It's neurotransmitters firing in the brain. One fires, the receptor catches it through the synapse, and then the next one has to fire again for you to have the same feeling again. And that's why all pleasures will always be temporary. And that search for permanence in life, that somehow now that I'm feeling good, I want to keep feeling good. I don't want to ever feel bad. I don't want to ever feel tense or stressed again. I want to keep feeling good. But it's not possible. The more you become aware, the more you understand that these emotions are merely thoughts playing in your head. It's like a movie. Different scenes and different times. It could be a badly directed movie or a good one and you are the director of your movie. Unfortunately, you are not the producer. <laughs> so you may have budget limited. And the fifth is called Abhinivesha. That means attachment to one's life. 
the desire to live on forever, the desire to remain youthful, the desire to cling to one's life, that's also an affliction. Because no matter what you desire, your skin will become all wrinkly one day, it's the truth. <laughs> right? So better to get old with grace than to uh, spend your money with a plastic surgeon. That desire that somehow I want to live forever, it's a hurdle in your spiritual, even material growth. Yes, we go on with that concept, with uh, that assumption that tomorrow as well I'll be alive. That this hour and the next hour and the next hour I will still be breathing. We make that assumption, that's why we keep planning till the last minute of our life. But let's not forget that the ultimate truth of life is death. And that's where everybody's heading. And I'm sorry, I don't have any good news there. And that's the truth. So meditation is, if I could put it that way, it's the ability to die while you're still living. When you learn to die, when you remember death, your, your manner of living changes on its own. Because you know this is where I'm going to end up. And then you question, should I be struggling the way I am? Is it worthwhile to hold all these grudges that I, I have against other people? Should I let go? There was this uh, kind of survey done in a hospice in uh, the States. It was full of all terminal patients, basically patients with terminal illnesses. <coughs> Excuse me. So they asked them a series of questions. Now somebody was going to be dying in three months, somebody in six months or a year or a few days or a few weeks. One of the questions was, what do you regret the most in life? One of the questions on the survey was, what do you regret the most in your life? Nobody wrote that I regret not making enough money or not getting enough degrees or qualifications. The most common answer was, I regret not spending time with my loved ones when I could, but I didn't because I was so focused on me, 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 that I had no time to see what all I had been blessed with. 